Welcome to the Group of Five Focus podcast, where we showcase the power of the Group of Five. I'm your host, Brian Doppel. This offseason, I'm starting a new series here on the podcast where I get into the details of conference realignment. To do that, I'll be joined by podcasters, journalists, and superfans of the teams that are joining new conferences. They'll help me get better insight into the players, coaches, and fans of each school, and provide an introduction of the programs to their new conferences. This week, we're introducing the UNC Charlotte 49ers to their new conference, the American Athletic Conference. I'm joined by Hunter Bailey, a writer at the Charlotte Observer, who will walk us through everything we need to know about the 49er football program as they transition to the AAC. We'll get into it after the break. Welcome to the Group of Five Focus podcast, Hunter Bailey. Uh, would you like to just take a moment and introduce yourself and let let folks know who you are and, and what you're up to? Yeah, for sure. Um, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, my name is Hunter Bailey, and I've been covering the Charlotte 49ers uh, football for the past few years. Um, been with the Charlotte Observer for this past season, and I'm looking forward to 2022. Uh, spring ball is coming up here shortly. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, Charlotte 49ers and their upcoming transition uh, to the American Athletic Conference. Um, so uh, for listeners who might not be as familiar with with the university, could you tell a little bit about what uh, what UNC Charlotte or just just Charlotte, perhaps, uh, is known for? And uh, what's uh, wh- what is the university's footprint in uh, in Charlotte and in that in that area? Yeah, um, so UNC Charlotte. Um, there's always a little bit of back and forth about the naming. Um, people wanted to be Charlotte University, um, kind of goes back and forth, but um, it's a little over 30,000 students. And some people give it the rap of commuter school. Um, it wasn't like that for me. I had a, had a lot of fun in my time there. Um, but overall, I believe, I guess it's an engineering school. Um, they're trying to establish a research um, presence, become a research one university. Um, I was able to talk to the new chancellor about that some um, when Charlotte originally joined the AAC. Um, but I would say that um, they were known for the basketball for a long time. Uh, they went to the Final Four in the 70s. Um, it's oh, that's cool. Up. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they actually lost to North Carolina in the Final Four, um, which is kind of nuts. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the... I guess they're transitioning into more of a football school a little bit now, baseball program, softball program, tennis program, track, soccer, they're all um, trending up. So yeah, definitely looking forward to the move to the AAC. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I know, I know that the 49ers football program is pretty young. I think it just got started in 2013. I think that was the first season that they played. Um, So can you talk a little bit just about, um, what that's been like uh, for the university to have this, you know, this pretty freshly new football program and uh, sort of how it's uh, trended and, and how it's grown over the course of, of the last almost 10 years or so. For sure. Um, so I'll just use myself as an example. When I was a, uh, a student at Charlotte or freshman and sophomore, um, the football team, they were struggling. They won one game, I believe, my freshman year. Um, a lot of the students, they would go out to the tailgate and then miss the game. Um, I would, I've made it to some games, but I will say the student turnout, uh, really since Will Healy took over back in 2019 has been exponentially better. Um, he put some effort in going to some different fraternities and sororities, I think trying to make, get more of a presence out there from the student body. Um, I think that did them well. 
And then um, overall, really just a performance growth. But going from Brad Lambert taking the head coaching role, the first one in 2013, um, they kind of, I mean, they've grown a lot. They've put a few people in the NFL now. Um, they have one who will be playing in the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. Um, he's actually on injured reserve. So that's that tough, still counts. Yeah, he's there. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely been trending upwards. Um, they've had a couple of hiccups these past two seasons, but I, I would say ultimately the program is definitely on a positive trajectory since Mike Hill took charge of the athletic program. Yeah, that's that's great. And that's kind of my my opinion, too, from the outside looking in, um, you know, of course, the last couple of seasons, they haven't they haven't broken the 500 mark, but it does seem like they're always in the conversation. And I know that I know that Duke isn't a great win or it's not like the best win. It's not the most convincing win, but like, man, they were like convincing when they started off the season last year with that win against Duke. And I sort of, you know, I can't let myself pull for, for Charlotte too much, but I was excited for him to, you know, have another group of five uh, team really show out against um, a power five opponent, ACC opponent in Duke. That was kind of exciting. Um, and I know Will Healy's first season, they did well in 2019. They were, they were at least over 500 and, uh, you know, that was, it was looking like things were really uh, turning a corner uh, or or at least c- continuing on some of the late success um, from the first coach. But uh, do, you, do you think that this um, move to the AAC is going to uh, continue that uh, sort of the trending upward success of the program? Is that where you see things going here? I would like to think so. Yes. I think they have a lot of work to do. Um, on their coaching staff and on the recruiting trail to really compete in the AAC. Um, They haven't truly competed in Conference USA for a title yet. Um, 2019 was their best year, and I believe they they finished third in the East that year, Um, started out two and five. And I remember they were playing the North Texas game. First half was pretty frustrating. I'm sitting there writing the uh, Charlotte's dropping to two and six. Will Healy experiments off to a rough start and then they, <laughs> they rally back. They scored 33 in the second half and win 18 seconds left. And it's like, whoa, what yeah. just happened? And then really yeah. from there, it was, it kind of took off. They won five in a row that year and went bowl bound to the Bahamas. Um, I think that was, that was really good for the program. Uh, 2020 was just kind of a, a really rough year for them. Uh, only playing six games. And then last year was yeah. like a lot of highs and lows for them. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, starting the season, beating Duke, start off four and two, and then kind of fade down the stretch. Um, this is, I think this last year in Conference USA, I don't really know how people are viewing it yet because it, it is the last year before the jump, but that still kind of means something. You're still working on the foundation before you get there. But I feel like they have to compete this year. I mean, especially with a lot of the returning seniors they have. But overall, I'd say in terms of making the jump, they have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, you mentioned something about the seniors there. So um, this upcoming season, uh, are there any are there any players, perhaps seniors or younger even, that that we should be on the lookout for? And then um, even the younger players who will be playing maybe the majority of their career in the AAC, are there any players that you think um, are, are worth keeping an eye on at this point? Yeah, for sure. Um, quarterback Chris Reynolds is back. This will be his last year. Um, he's the, the Perry Ellis of Charlotte from 
Kansas basketball. But um, he, uh, he'll be here for one more year. Um, in terms of younger guys, I would say Elijah Spencer, um, the receiver from Irmo, South Carolina. He actually won Conference USA his freshman of the year this past year. Um, definitely one to watch. And then they, they kind of have an embarrassment of riches at the receiver position right now. Uh, Victor Tucker returned. Uh, Spencer is back for his sophomore year. And then they have Grant DeBose. Um, but the younger guys, DeBose and Spencer, definitely wants to watch on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, for, for the defense, the defense is kind of kind of a mystery right now. Um, I'm, I can't wait to get out and see them at spring ball because I would love to tell you right now who I think is going to be you know, the next up-and-comer. Um, they have two defensive linemen that I'm high on, Isaiah Potts and then Miguel Jackson. Um, both played a little bit last year, but will definitely um, have bigger roles this year. And then there's a linebacker, um, Cam Burden. Uh, he redshirted last year, I believe. But from what I saw of him in practice, I really liked the way that he was a heat seeker for the ball um, and that they really need that, um, especially replacing all three linebackers this year with uh, Tyler Murray, the senior and captain of the defense. He transferred to Memphis. So they're going to be starting three new backers this season. Yeah, that's that's a big hole to fill for sure, um, and always tough when you lose lose someone, uh, you know, a captain to a uh, to transferring to another school. That's tough. Um, so so yeah, you're talking about the defense and and having some question marks there, and I'm just looking at last year's results, and uh, it's pretty clear that that defense is an area where there's some uh, where there's some need for improvement. The I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me, I don't know about you, but uh, but the loss 38 to nine to Florida Atlantic, that's um, that's an area where some defensive players are going to have to step up for sure. That was the the turning point of the season. They were, they were four and two. They had just beat FIU. Um, and even that game wasn't very convincing. Uh, FIU hung around, uh, but that was uh, Will Healy called out all the students. It's like, Hey, this is a huge game for us. I mean, they had a chance to be five and two and really in the conversation for the East. Um, they come out and they were flat in the first half, but it was a pretty close game. I think it was nine to seven at halftime. And uh, Reynolds hurt his hand there in the first half. And then really they were just straight downhill from there. Um, yeah. It was it's like you were watching JV versus varsity a little bit. They were, they were, they got ran off the field. It was, it was definitely the turning point for them. Yeah. Yeah. Those games are hard to watch, especially if you feel, uh, like it's like this pivotal, this pivotal moment. Sometimes you can just like tell when you're watching a game and you're like, oh, something is changing here. The, the hands on the hips or, you know, the, uh, um, I forget what that's called. Like the, the surrender Cobra or whatever, where yeah. you just see it, whether it's the players or the, or the fans, you just start to, you know, feel things deflate and change. Uh, it's definitely hard to, to watch and be, and be a part of that. Uh, I can attest. Um, so uh, can you tell me, uh, as someone who's never been to a Charlotte football game, uh, can you describe, uh, if I was going to go to my first game this year, what, uh, what might I expect as far as like the, the culture or the vibe around the game day experience, um, the, the altogether, uh, the product on the field? Um, mm -hmm. if, I was, if this is going to be my first time going to a Charlotte game, what, what would I expect? So the stadium seats uh, 15,000 people. So it's definitely an intimate experience. Um, it's pretty small, but I would say it 
it fits the bill for a college football stadium. Um, the tailgating scene, the pageantry around that really isn't there quite yet. Um, having gone to some bigger universities to cover some games, the tailgating scene isn't close. But I will say there are some good spots. I'll plug Normulance. Uh, they pull an ambulance up tailgating spot right up to the stadium and they take shots they'll have a lot of different people out there it's a fun spot i will say um, awesome i i enjoy that um in terms of during the game itself um charlotte's band is really good i they'll they'll do their thing um throughout the game and especially at the half now i really enjoyed it um especially my my time there as a student as i've shifted to the media I'm always kind of like moving around or trying to talk to someone, but it's nice to be able to like sit and appreciate it. Even the like family that I've had that have come out have enjoyed it as well. That's awesome. Yeah, that's always nice. Um, so, uh, so this the you talked about the tailgating and um, and the stadium itself, um, which I've seen I've seen pictures of, and the stadium looks pretty nice. Like I, you, you mentioned that they're doing a renovation soon or planning a, a, to do a renovation soon. Um, but it looks pretty, you know, sleek. It looks pretty, uh, pretty, pretty fresh because it's, you know, at least the program's only nine years old. So, so that's kind of cool, but, uh, I think it kind of speaks well to the future of the program that they already have plans to, to renovate and increase the capacity. So that's cool. Um, can you tell me about the student section are, are the students fired up about Charlotte football? Do they get into it? And what, what, what's the vibe coming from the students? They definitely did this past season. Um, the student section, I guess, I guess in my opinion, I didn't get to too many Conference USA games, but it was one of the best I saw. I got a lot of hype around social media. Um, they did, they came out, they were loud, and when the game was good, they were there. Uh, Charlotte had, for the most part, had good games at home. You mentioned Florida Atlantic and then Marshall. Those were not, the student section didn't last in those, but when the game gets ugly, I, you know, just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as like student engagement around campus, um, it's definitely a lot different. And I've even heard players voice that um, four or five years ago. They might say, oh, like you play for the football team. Like, oh, that's cool. And now it's like, hey, like that's Calvin Kent or running back or like something like that. Like there's been the players have been like more openly excited about stuff like that. So that's good to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's cool. Um it's always nice to to have that sort of shift and uh, and start to start to recognize more of those players, whether it's on campus or it's in the local media or if it's on social media, just to see some of these names pop up more and become more recognizable. I think that's like a cool a cool part of of group of five football specifically. I think the fan bases can um, fan bases can really like hone in. They have like this cool opportunity to hone in on on players that are on their teams because perhaps the fan bases are smaller. So there's like a little more somehow there's a little more accessibility to to those players. Um, yeah, I think that's cool. That, that is one thing I'll, I'll build on with the accessibility part. Um, Charlotte and Will Healy has definitely um, opened up their doors. Like you can come out to practice pretty much anytime. No one's going to tell you to leave. You can, I mean, people walk down to the field, will just stand on the sideline and watch like a Thursday practice. It could be a walkthrough. People are out there. It's it's a pretty cool experience because I mean, I first started covering the team when it was Brad Lambert, and you you couldn't really come out like that. Um, but now they're they're open for the most part. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, when I was when I was a student at App, 
we would play some pickup football games on the field uh, and uh, until like a team came in and kicked us off because they had actual practice. but uh, but yeah, it seemed like at some point, um, at some point that sort of stopped being okay. I feel like they're like they put locks on the gates or something like that, and it was a little less accessible. But um, I always thought it was really fun to just be able to go in there and walk around the well when there was a track around the field <laughs> to walk around the track or uh, to go play pickup ball. Like that was that was always fun. Uh, so that's cool that there's that accessibility piece, and and I'm curious. Um, it seems like Will Healy has the support of the university of the fan base. Um, I'll I'll claim ignorance on his like contract situation, but can you can you shed any light? Like, is Will Healy around for a while? Um, do you, do you see him sticking it out, or uh, could the Charlotte fan base uh, have to get used to a new head coach here uh, sooner rather than later? I would say everything we know right now, he'll be around for at least a few more years. I think he's got that hot name around college football. Um, I think it has the better word, like maybe faded a little bit over the past couple years, or at least uh, 2021, um, just falling as fast as they did. Um, I would say if he were to have a good year, though, like say they win eight games this year and make a bowl game, contend in the conference, I mean, he's he's got the personality, he's got the, the culture fits that I think either an up-and-coming university or a lower-level power five school would snag. Um, I would say like two more years. Yeah. Uh, cool. But it just, well, I mean, a lot can happen in two years and, uh, and like you said something about his personality and I think that that goes a long way. Um, there's all different kinds of coaches with all different kinds of personalities, but he seems to be one that, uh, has a genuine uh, appreciation for his players and for the community. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's a really good way to build a program and to even if, and when he does end up leaving for, you know, supposedly greener pastures, then, uh, then he'll be leaving it in a good spot, which is nice. That is one thing that I will say, uh, if there's a a chance to promote Charlotte football, well, Healy is going to do it. He'll, I mean, he's got a, a wife and two kids at home, but I see him all the time in season on a podcast or jumping on a radio show or making a news appearance just to talk about the program. So I, I do respect that. Um, it's very open and kind with the media. Every press conference, he'll walk around, he knows everyone by name, say hello to everyone, embrace you, ask how you're doing. Um, so that part of that part of what he is really good in terms of being a like a true face of the program. And so definitely um I think Charlotte should appreciate him while he's here for sure. Yeah, that's cool. That's good to hear. Um, so we've talked about a lot of uh, a lot of the things that the team has and doesn't have, um, or needs to work on a little bit. I'm curious what um, if there's like one thing that that Charlotte football has that its peers do not have. I would say marketability. Um, they are they are in a big city. Um, they have a young, very young staff. Um, we just talked about it a little bit, but with Will Healy as the head man, very likable guy. Um, yeah, that's what I'll go with marketability. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, 
I spend a, I spend a fair amount of time on Twitter, and so I see the arguments about you know markets and things like that, uh, as far as like being in the big city and uh, and stuff like that. I think that's something that interestingly uh, Charlotte and Georgia State have in common um, is is these G five uh, yeah these G five programs that are in these huge southern cities, um, and they have a lot of pieces in place, but there's just something something missing that's keeping things from like real, like a, a ton of success. Um, can you, can you give me any idea of what, what you feel might be like missing? What, what is like a missing ingredient that might take Charlotte football to the next step? I'm just going to be blunt, a defensive coordinator. <laughs> that's what they need. Yeah. That's what they need. They need. So Healy has been open about, he, he's a great coach. Um, he came up, assistant coach, quarterbacks coach, took the head coach at Austin P and now got it at Charlotte, but he will be very open with you. He's not necessarily an X's and O's guy. He's not going to out scheme you. Um, he needs people that are going to do that at the OC and at the DC. And I mean, you pulled up the, the numbers from last year. They were ugly. There's no, there's no way around that. And um, they need, they need a defensive coordinator. They play a fun brand of football. They will air it out. They will break off the big plays. They're a threat on special teams. But I think in terms of really needing something to get this program over the top, they need to win. And with that, they're going to have to get some stops. Defense defense wins championships. They, That's right. That's what I hear. Being, yeah. Being in a big city is pros and cons because – I mean, if you're if you're putting a fun product on the field, people are going to want to come, and there's enough people to come. But if you aren't winning, if you're if you're struggling, if you're playing, a, like, I guess, a boring brand of football, there's a lot of other stuff to do in the city of Charlotte on a Saturday. And so it's got, I mean, it's got two sides to it. So I think, and and like undoubtedly position themselves, they have to put together a winning brand of football and get some consistency behind that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And, uh, you know, it sounds, it, it's the easy and the hard answer. It's, you know, how do you get more fans? You win more games. And, uh, and so it would sound simple, but you know, making actually making it happen can actually be a really challenging thing. So, uh, so we sort of talked about where the program is heading, um, and where, and sort of, sort of how we, we both are in agreement that it's sort of trending upwards. Um, despite the the last couple of years being sort of rough, um, but can you give me an idea of how you think um, how do you think Charlotte is going to fit into the AAC? And um, are there any? Actually, I have a a question sort of wrapped in this. Is are there any future opponents that you that you think are going to pair really well with forty with the Forty Nine er football uh, brand of of the game? Are there any good like maybe potential rivalries uh, uh, on the um, in the distance. Absolutely. That's actually what I was going to touch on. Um, so now that they'll have an in-state conference rival with East Carolina, um, they were scheduled to play in 2023 and 2024, I believe like a home and home. Um, so I don't know if that's going to stick and they'll play twice a year. I can't imagine that, but we'll see. Um, I would say that is going to be the biggest thing. Um, I mean, you know, being in, so they're an app grad. They played app a couple of times. Uh, it's not necessarily a rivalry to app, but I think Charlotte really wanted it to be. And then 
poof, you don't play for six years. I mean, it's kind of hard to keep anything going other than a little bit of trash talk here and there. Yeah. Um, but in terms of an in-state rival, I think I think they're most excited about that. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Conference USA schools coming with them. So there's going to be a lot of familiar faces around in the AAC. But I think it'll be a lot of fun for them. I mean, I believe USF plays in Raymond James Stadium. Could be totally incorrect. And then Temple plays at Lincoln Financial Fields. I mean, they're going to be going playing in some NFL venues. Um, and then one one cool thing that um, the Carolina Panthers actually did in this process to uh, kind of solidify Charlotte's bid to the American was if a stadium renovation, having additional seats was required, um, Charlotte can play their games at Bank of America Stadium where the Panthers play. So I think that that was really cool to see for like the city of Charlotte. Um, I just like overall it's going to be really good for the program, but that in-state rivalry is going to be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. I am deeply jealous of that. Uh, <laughs> I really, uh, you know, I know that um, app has a, you know, a storied program and all of this and that, and Charlotte has a relatively new program. And so there's a lot, I, I think that there's lots of different types of fans, fans, app fans who don't think much of Charlotte, um, and app fans who are like really excited about the idea of having a, an opponent, an in-state opponent so close, um, that, that, you know, that, and that's where I fall, frankly, is like, I don't understand why we're not scheduling more Charlotte app games. I think that the fan bases would just eat that up. And especially since I think Charlotte has the most, uh, the most app alumni than any other city, um, I think the home games would uh, the home games for Charlotte would be hugely uh, lucrative as far as like ticket sales, um, and you know Boone's right up the mountain and just a couple hour drive, and so I think plenty of um, well we know that plenty of Charlotte uh, fans make the trip, and uh, so I'm deeply jealous that Charlotte and ECU are going to be in the same conference. Um, app opened the season at, against ECU at Bank of America Stadium this year and I wasn't there but it just looked like a lot of fun and uh I mean you can't you can't spit in North Carolina without hitting an app uh, Charlotte or an ECU <laughs> grad and so uh so I think that having those in-state rivalry games is only going to boost uh both teams uh and their fan bases when you get people riled up whether it's on social media or like actually in real life um, it's going, it's good. It's good for the brand. Um, you know, as long as people are being respectful and, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope that Charlotte and app can, can work something out in the future too, just selfishly. Uh, <laughs> this isn't an app podcast. This is the most I've talked about app in a while. Um, but uh, I hope that they can work something out in the future because I think that that would be good for both fan bases too. And, uh, and I think that's really something smart that the Sunbelt has done as far as re in realignment and as far as, uh, geographic you know location and proximity proximity to these some of these new schools um the regional rivalries especially in group of five football is is where it's at it's where the passion is it's where the history is um and i think that's i think that's going to be their their niche moving forward so yeah that's cool to hear i'm excited to watch that for y'all i i've i've asked most of the questions that i wanted to but i'm, I'm curious i just want to open it up is there anything else that uh, that we didn't talk about uh, with with the future and the or the present of Charlotte 49er football? Um, I'll talk about the present a little bit. 
um, I know the season is still months away and we really don't even have a good idea of what the team looks like or I guess a spring roster, but this is, this is a big season for Charlotte. Um, they're returning nearly everyone on offense. I think it's 93% of their offensive production is back. Starting quarterback, captain, receiver, Victor Tucker was a captain. They're all back. A lot of the offensive line, running backs. Um, it's a big year for them. Uh, they have to figure out what's going on on the defensive side of the ball because at this point, I mean, if the offense operates at all how it did last year, an average defense makes us a neat win team. And they have the explosiveness. And right now, they're, I mean, it's their last season in Conference USA. I think they have to at least contend this year and be a real contender. Uh, but I think the present is extremely important for them. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like the most of the ingredients are there, right? It's just a couple, a couple missing pieces that might pull it all together. Uh, like you said, with 93% of the offensive production coming back, I mean, there's no excuse to not win more games. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I personally, uh, I'm looking forward to watching UNC Charlotte this year. Um, I think, uh, you know, I'll go with my gut and my heart on this, and I think they're going to have a good season. Um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they are bowl eligible. Um, and so, I, yeah, um, quietly from from my my corner of Appalachian fandom, I am I'm pulling for Charlotte, and uh, really appreciate uh, your your time for being on today. Um, I wanted to take a moment and just uh, give you the opportunity for for some plugs. Can you tell us what you're working on and, and some of the work that that you do at the the observer? For sure. Um, so this is actually my first year doing basketball for Charlotte men's basketball. Uh, it's been kind of a different experience my first year doing uh, college hoops, but I've been I feel like I've been fitting in pretty well. Um, football is definitely my main. Um, I guess I, I played it in high school and just feel like know the most about it, the most confident in that. Um, but yeah, I've been talking to some players. I'm looking looking this year. I I would like to do more like film breakdowns and stuff like that, and really kind of break down Charlotte's offense, defense, um, a lot a lot more stuff like that. Um, really get the players out of their shells a little bit. Um, being being 23 years old, a lot of these guys will will talk to me or you know, just open up a little bit more, I think. And I think, I mean, these guys love talking football. So I think that's kind of my niche in all of this is getting to open up, talk about you know, why they play the game, because really that's that's why I do this. Um, I just love the relationships that come with this. Um, and if you'd like to read any of my stuff, um, my Twitter is at Hunter Bailey 45. <laughs> uh, there might be a hyphen in there somewhere, but uh, you'll probably I'll, find I'll it. link it in the, uh, in the notes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm looking to start a podcast up this year. Um, I've done a little bit of radio stuff. Um, been on some podcasts, but I've been thinking about starting my own. Um, so I'm definitely got some stuff in the works for you guys. And I'm looking forward to getting back out there for spring. Um, going out there and being around the team. That's probably the best part of my week normally. So I, I work full time, so I can't get out as much as I want, but I'll be out there as much as I can. <laughs> but I really appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun.
That's all for this episode of the Group of Five Focus podcast. Thanks to Hunter Bailey for shedding some light on the growing Charlotte 49er football program. Be sure to follow and support Hunter by following the links in the episode description. He's doing some great work at the Charlotte Observer. I'd love to connect with more listeners, so please reach out on social media at G5FPod to keep the G5 football conversations going. And if you haven't already, please follow, rate, and review the pod on your podcast platform of choice. This really is the best way to spread the word about the group of five. Let me know what you've enjoyed and what you'd like to hear more of. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with anyone you know that might enjoy some of the group of five football content we've got going on over here. Until next time, my friends, my question for you is, what is one thing you can do to showcase the power of the group of five? Five.